And I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. We're delighted that you're here today on this uh, beautiful Lord's Day and able to come out in the summer and worship together. We know we have many who are traveling and uh, are not with us, and we pray for them that they'll have a good time away and then be back with us um, after their vacation. I do want to add some names to our prayer list. Jack Quiggle was at the hospital yesterday and uh, suffering with diverticulitis, and we want to keep Jack. He's out of the hospital. He's not in the hospital, but uh, they're treating that. Drew Moore will be having surgery on July the 25th at Moore Regional. We want to keep uh, Drew lifted up. And Lena Dawkins is in the hospital right now. We want to, uh, Dan called um, Bobby, and Bobby is out of town right now, but he sent word through Lynn that uh, Lena is in the hospital. So we want to keep her lifted up as well. And uh, Dylan, Dylan, he's here. Uh, Dylan will be leaving bright and early in the morning, uh, going out of, out of county a little ways. He is on his way to Ethiopia, and he will be serving with uh, John and Jess there and the family and excited about that occasion for him. We want to be remembering him. Immediately following this, you know that at 3 o'clock today, there is a memorial service here for uh, Jamie Beauvair. We need some men to help set some tables up in the fellowship hall, so if you could help us do that, my wife will be over there. She will, she will tell you what to do. She's real good at that, I'm just saying. And uh, she'll, get, she'll get that taken care of, so if you could help her that. And also, for our teachers, the literature for the fall is in the Sunday school office. Uh, we're going to do it a little differently. We're asking you to come by and pick that literature up in the Sunday School office. There are other announcements that are in the bulletin. I hope that you will read them, especially if you have a student, a college student, or a military. That committee has some information there. We are excited to welcome Lachlan uh, Zane Hargrove to the world, and uh, we celebrate with uh, Clint and Ashley and Wayne and Linda. We are excited about that new arrival so you'll note all of that and you'll also notice in the bulletin that today is a special day and we're going to go right into that i'm going to call us into a time of business and the purpose of our business today is to select those that will be serving on the deacon committee and i see sarah sitting back there hey sarah it is good to see you in worship today uh, back to to the business though Deacons, if you would raise your hand, if you are a member of the church, the deacons are, are I think, going to come. Yeah, here they come. Uh, are going to be handing you out a ballot right now. Uh, and as they do that, there are six names on that ballot. You are to select three. What happens if you select four or five or six? Let me tell you what happens. We throw that ballot away because we don't know which one not to do. You can vote up to three, um, but no more than that. So we have asked you to be, we've published it in the bulletin for the last couple of weeks. We've asked you to be praying about that. So if you would very quickly just circle the three names that you would like to, uh, that you feel the Lord leading you to select for the service on this deacon committee. And uh, go ahead and mark that ballot when you get it. Once you've done that, if you would, fold it one time and send it to the center aisles. Uh, just pass it down once you've folded it one time. And we're going to pass them out and pick them right back up, hopefully in about the same amount of time. Has every church member now received a ballot? Anybody needing a ballot? Did we miss anybody? Okay, everyone has a ballot. If 
you would just very quickly mark three names or less. But please don't mark more than three. And then pass them to the center aisle. Deacons, I believe you can. Does anybody need more time? Have we got it done? Everybody passed them? Let's collect them, please. And then if you'll just hang down here with me one time. I'll get to it. Have we collected all the ballots? Does anybody need a little bit more time? Anybody still marking a ballot? Thank you very, very much. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your call upon our life to be church to serve you as you have explained to us through your holy word. And we do our best, Lord, to meet those goals and those expectations that you have for us as a congregation of believers. One of those expectations, Lord, is that we gather together and worship you and praise you and listen to your word as you expound on it through music, through prayers, through the reading and the preaching of your word as we hear it all through the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we pray for your spirit to even now fall on us in a very special way that we would hear what you have to say, O oh God, this day as we worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Take your hymnals and turn to number 495. We're going to sing the first and the third. Let's stand as we sing, please.
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day, this day as we gather to worship. And Lord, I just ask that you be with our choir as they lead us in song today, and be with our pastor as he delivers our message. May it give us the strength and the will to go out and be the light in this community for you. And now, Father, I ask that you accept these offerings and these tithes. Bless them so that your will will be furthered. In Jesus' name, amen. Thirteen, the servant song. We'll sing all three verses.
Good morning. How, how's your summer going? Good? All right, me too. It's going by fast, isn't it? Well, it's a delight for me to be with you today. Pastor uh, Taylor and Kevin are on their little vacation. So we hope they have a good time and get to relax. Well, I got something to show you today. I have two papers here, and they are a spelling test, both of them. Now, in a minute, I'm going to ask you which one you would like. But don't be too quick because I got something to tell you about these two spelling papers. Okay? One of them has 100 on it, and one of them has 90 on it. You missed the one on this one. Okay? All right, listen up about this spelling paper. Well, there was this probably first grader, and he was going to have a spelling test the next day at school. And he studied and he studied and he had his parents to help him study. He wanted so much to make 100 and he wanted his parents to be proud of him. Well, the next day came and it was time for the spelling test and he began to get a little bit nervous. But he said, well, I'll do my best. And the teacher started calling out the words and he was doing just fine. Things were going well. And then the teacher called out the word church. Well, if you're a speller, you know that church has an er sound in it. And there are different ways to spell the er sound. And he couldn't quite remember which one he should put. So he was kind of in a dilemma. And he thought about his parents and how they wanted him to make 100 so badly. And he wanted to make 100 so badly. And he thought, well... You know, I could just look over at my neighbor's paper. I think he probably has it right. Now he thought about it, and he said, well, if I made 100, I could probably do better than my friend. I'm sure he won't make 100. And I could brag about my 100, and I would just be the big guy. I made 100 on my spelling test. But then he thought, well... I could just do my best, and if I look at my neighbor's paper, that will not be honest. That will not be right. So, which spelling paper do you think you'd like to have now? Which one would you rather have? Do you want the 100 looking at neighbor's paper, or do you want the one you did your best on and made 90? Which one? That's right, this one. Good job. We don't want to do that, do we? So, you know what? His parents were proud of him. When he told them about what happened, they were even more proud of him because he just did the best he could. Pastor Gary is going to talk about a mother today who had two sons. And that mother went to Jesus and asked Jesus to make her sons, what we would say, maybe famous. They would be powerful and important. But you know what Jesus told the mother? Jesus said that it would be better to be a servant, a servant who others, than to, be to have fame or famous or be real important or make ourselves feel good. It would be better to serve rather than to be important. God gives you and me and everybody else different talents or skills that we can do. God wants us to use those skills as that we can, but he wants them to use us to use those skills to help others and to glorify God, not to disobey and use them, to do things like brag. He doesn't want us to brag. He doesn't want us to hurt others to get where we're going. For instance, if uh, we did something really great in gymnastics, we shouldn't brag about it because God gave us that skill, didn't he? We didn't give it to ourselves. We, we need to try to not make ourselves look better, to help others look better and make them feel better, not just be interested in ourselves, okay? So be careful when you get ready to do something or say something or use your talent. Be sure that you use it as a servant and to glorify God and to help others. Okay? All right, let's pray to God. Dear Lord, we thank you for this lesson. We ask you to help us to use our skills and our talents to glorify you 
and to be very, very careful not to glorify ourselves. We ask you to be with Pastor Taylor and Kevin and let them have a good time and rest, keep them safe on their return home. In thy name we pray, amen. Okay, thank you guys. Here are some selected verses from Isaiah 51. Wake up, wake up, stand up, Jerusalem. You drank from the cup in the Lord's hand. That cup was filled with his anger. You drank from the bowl, the cup that makes people stagger, and you drained it. From all the children she gave birth to, there was no one to guide her. From all the children she raised, there was no one to take her by the hand. Violence, destruction, famine, and war have happened to you. Who will comfort you? The Lord your God defends his people. This is what your master says. I'm taking from your hand the cup that makes people stagger. The bowl, the cup of my fury. You will never drink from it again. I will put it in the hands of those who made you suffer. Dylan, you come stand with me. He didn't know I was going to do this. I didn't know I was going to do this, but we're going to do this. Stick that in your back pocket for later. This is the pastoral prayer when we pray. It's a tremendous responsibility of a pastor to pray, and I pray for you often. I pray for you as you face life, as you face surgery, as you face family decisions, as you face difficulties. And today, I want to pray with our church family for Dylan as he goes to Ethiopia. So, in Acts, when they sent somebody out on a mission, they laid their hands on them. If you were any taller, I couldn't do this, but I, I can. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you that you call us all to mission. Help us never, ever to not understand that. Help us to recognize and realize that your call upon our life is real, that it is forever. And it begins right now. Thank you that you have led Dylan to take this time in his life and this opportunity to go to hear what you might have to say and to be useful to you in Ethiopia. We pray that as he goes that it would be an encouragement to John and Jess and Joe and all those there doing that work and that there would be a way, Lord, that you would speak to him that when he returns from that, that trip, you will have said things to him that will change him forever. And so, God, we pray for safety. We pray for wisdom. We pray for the adventure. We pray for joy. We pray for your safety during the hard work and in the travel. And we ask, God, that when he comes back, he comes back with your hands upon his life in a different way. And we use him now, Lord, as a mirror for us and hold him up to remind us of how you would use us this week in our world to make a difference for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You're welcome.
Thank you for that choir. No turning back. You may have seen the sign I put out there for welcoming back our Kentucky team. And Barbara, are you? Barbara's here. Barbara's here. The rest of them are all gone on vacation, so I took a picture of it and sent it to them so that they'd know they were on the sign today. I'm excited when we have a desire to do missions. I'm excited when we understand our service. Today, as we have sung about following Jesus and we've sung the servant's song and as our instruments played about following Christ, there's a song I've been listening to. The singer is Rachel Chapman, and the song is This Blood. It's a powerful song. And there's a choir in Louisiana, in Menden, Louisiana, at First Baptist that do it. You can YouTube it if you want to. It's a powerful song. And even when you do that, you're going to see a young lady, and I believe her name is Stacy Brown because she sings a solo in another YouTube video. I've been kind of a fan of that church and their music for the last few months. And they're singing that song, This Blood. And like I said, it's a powerful song. And as they pan out and have the whole choir, and the choir is singing background to Rachel as she is singing the lead, Stacy just quit singing. The message is so strong. And she becomes so full of them singing about what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And you just see the Spirit very quietly wash over her. Oh, when we sing the hymns, we need to be reminded that we sing them unto the Lord. That when we sing those words of service and following and loving him, we sing unto the Lord. And I am always captured. I was captured today when Gail and Regina were playing. And then when our choir sang. Decisions. Today we're going to be talking about family ambition. Our text is found in Matthew's Gospel, the 20th chapter. You'd turn there, and then we're going to read verses 20 through 28. It's a conversation that Jesus is having, and it comes right on the, the tail end of Jesus telling them, it's time for me to die. If you read in 17, Jesus is going up to Jerusalem. He takes the 12 aside, and he says to them, we're going to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they'll condemn him to death, and they'll deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. And it is interesting because the disciples don't say anything. <laughs> they don't say a word. Now, there are other occasions when Jesus talks about it, and they do say things. But in this moment, right before our text today, they don't say a word. That leads me to a question. What will our word be? What will we say in the light of the fact that Jesus died for us? That he paid the ultimate price for the ultimate sin, your sin, and my sin that would separate us from him from all eternity. Our text is found... At the end of that, after Jesus makes this pronouncement, in Matthew's gospel, the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, asks this question. In Luke's gospel, they say it themselves. And we see that very quickly, even in our text today, that the conversation will shift from the mom to Jesus and James and John. But in it, there's a question. Jesus asks, what do you want? And then... There's a request. Can we be first? Can we be first? Can we be the most important? Can we be the most significant? 
Can we be the most popular? Can we be whatever you think that really means? And then Jesus redefines ambition in a way that's never been defined before. And yet we know it's true. Our text is Matthew 20, beginning to read in verse 20. If you're able, I'd invite you to stand as a way of honoring the reading of this portion of God's word. And then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons. And kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, what do you want? And she said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your kingdom. Jesus answered, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm to drink? And they, James and John, said to him, we are able. And he said to them, you will drink my cup. But to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. And when the ten heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and he said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great one exercises authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even, and verse 28, is one of the most powerful verses in all of Scripture. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. May God add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his most holy word. Pray with me. Lord, for a moment or two this morning, would you speak to us clearly about our ambition, about our family ambition, about the ambition that we bring to our church, to our family, to our world. May it be the ambition that you have given us a new definition for. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now the word ambition is defined as a strong desire to do or to achieve something typically requiring determination and hard work, okay? Ambition applied is the process of moving from what we ought to do to doing that. From what we ought to do to doing that. I love the story about the frogs that were sitting on a pole and they were trying to learn math. And so one frog said to the other, he said, there's five of us sitting on a log the other day, and two decided to jump off the log. How many are left? Well, the first answer was three. He said, no, no, five. He said, just because we decided to do something didn't mean we actually did it. There's a truth there, isn't there? What is our ambition? Do we have the ambition that is applied, that has not only that strong desire to achieve, but also the determination and the hard work? Thomas A. Kempis, a great German scholar of days gone by, said this, Jesus hath many lovers of his kingdom, but few bearers of his cross. All desire to rejoice with him. Few are willing to suffer sorrow for his sake. Many follow Jesus unto the breaking of the bread, but few to the drinking of the bitter cup. Now ambition, as Jesus is going to define it, when he asks that question, what do you want? Do you really understand what you're asking 
he's going to give us an entirely different understanding of ambition. So I ask us today, what do we want? When we want what we want, you see, a lot of times I've looked back at my own prayer life. Maybe, maybe you'd be willing to do it with your life. And too often times I think in my prayer life, I'm asking God to change the world for me. Lord, change this sickness. Lord, change this circumstance. Lord, change this situation. Lord, change the weather. Change something that's not going the way I want it to go. You ever prayed like that? And I think sometimes, honestly, that's how we do pray and, and probably how we have to pray. This woman came and said, I, I, I want to ask a favor of you, Jesus. And by the way, James and John were his cousins. You know, this is a family situation here. Jesus, you know, James and John, they've been telling me about this kingdom you've got coming, and, and you're going to need some generals when you get your kingdom going. When you're the king, you're going to need some generals. And a lot of times the kings would have the left hand and the right hand king, uh, a general. Those two that would be on their side. Maybe one would take care of domestic issues and another would take care of the military. Or, or they would assign those, those very prominent people. And she asked for that. Wasn't a terrible thing to ask, was it? I mean, was that a bad thing to ask? I can see my mom asking that. <laughs> you know, she wanted good for her boy. She, she wanted to see good things happen. So on the surface, there's really, there's really nothing wrong with that. But it's the wrong question. It's the wrong request. I, I said a moment ago that often we ask for God to change everything I'm more and more convinced every, every day that if the church really wants to make a difference in the community, we need to gather here Sunday after Sunday and ask God to change us that we can face whatever comes our way this coming week. Because when God changes us, when God's Spirit speaks to us, when God's Spirit equips us, when God's Spirit challenges us in those areas where maybe we, we're going the wrong way, and he encourages us in those areas where we're going the right way. And we leave with a clear focus. Then we'll have a greater impact. There's a redefinition of the kingdom that Jesus is going to offer. He asked the question, are you able to drink from the cup? You remember communion. We had it just, just a, a very short time ago. And we give that cup. And Jesus said, this is my blood. You remember us saying that? This is my blood, and I pour it out. I shed it for you. He was speaking of the cross, and when he's telling them, you see, he understands that she, nor James, or John, nor the other disciples at this moment really get it. They don't understand. And so, and then I ask myself, Gary, do you really get it? Do I really get it? Do, do I really understand what, being church is, what being a believer is, what being a disciple is. Do I really get it? Did they really get it? Because when he asked, can you drink from this cup? And they say, yes, we can. Yes, we can. Sure we can. No problem. You ever, ask, you ever give them that answer? No problem. Well, let me tell you, being a disciple is a problem, okay? It's a problem. Now, it's a joyous problem. It's a glorious problem. But it's a challenge. It's not an easy way. James, that first boy, that first Zebedee boy, will be the first to die. It's found in Acts chapter 12, verse 1. King Herod of Agrippa will have him beheaded. 
he'll be the first to be martyred. John. There's an old tradition and maybe more a legend. But hear it anyway. It is told that of John, the son of Zebedee, the writer of the Gospel of John and 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and also the book of Revelation, that John, there's a tradition that although I may be legend, says that during Emperor Domitian, the Roman emperor, that he was dropped into a vat of boiling oil. And they did some hard things to the apostles. And that John came out unscathed. And in the weirdness of that, kind of like a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego or a Daniel in the lion's den moment, they then just exiled him to the Isle of Patmos where he would write the book of Revelation. You know, the apostles got really unhappy with that request. Didn't you see that? Jesus had to kind of enter. It says in verse 24, and when the ten heard about the two, they were indignant. That's pretty bad to become indignant, don't you think? But Jesus began to redefine things, to, 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 to redirect things. What are we asking God for? What's our request? I wonder today, before you leave, What's one thing you'd like for God to do in your life? Should we say nothing? I might suggest that's a problem. <laughs> and should we seriously begin to think, are you asking me now, Pastor, to begin to pray as I listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying, to say, God, what would you have for me today? What would you want me to do? What would you want me to add or take away? What would you want for me to change or to do better? What would you want me to do today, Lord? What word would... What's your request? I think humility is an important part of that process. I love what D.L. Moody is quoted of saying, he said, we may be too big for Jesus to use, but we'll never be too small. In 1 Chronicles 7, 14, you remember that verse, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear their prayer and I will hear the land. I wonder. I read a story this week. It was a nurse working with a Christian organization in a third world country. It was, it was a very, there are diseases that we have no issues with in our nation that in third world nations are devastating. And one such disease is leprosy. And you probably have studied in Sunday school or heard in messages the horridness of that disease when those sores full of infection rise up to the surface. And a visitor had come to see this organization at work and there was a nurse and, and she was cleaning, oh my goodness, one of those terrible large sores. And the visitor was overheard saying, I wouldn't do that for a million dollars. To which that nurse replied, I wouldn't do it for a million dollars either. But I'll do it for Jesus who cleansed me from my sin. What's our request?
What would we say to God, here am I, send me to do today? Jesus not only listened to the request, but then he redirected, didn't he? He said, do you really understand what you're asking for, asking of me? And I think that's what he wants us today to hear. Do you understand what God wants to do? Do you understand what it would happen in our home if our ambition would suddenly be to love the Lord our God? You know it as, with all our heart and all our mind and all our strength. Would that change things? Would we dare try it for a week? What would he redirect us away from? What's taking too much of our time? What's taking too much of our energy? What's taking too much of our purity? What's taking too much? Jesus simply wants to redirect today. And that brings me to really the last thing I want to share with you. Is he redefined it? And I want to give you four S's. Selflessness, service, suffering, and sacrifice. And if you want to know what Jesus' definition of ambition is, those are the ingredients. To become selfless, to become service or servant-minded, to be willing to suffer and sacrifice for the cause of Christ. And I want to tell you that even though we read right now this story of, uh, of, of two disciples that asked an inappropriate question and ten apostles that became indignant with his answer and got angry at them and were saying, who in the world do you think you are and what are you trying to do? Maybe they were just jealous because they didn't ask the question first. But I want, to, I want to read for you Acts chapter 5 because I want to say something about those apostles. You go read the story in Acts chapter 5. It's when they're, the, the Jews are really trying to destroy this embryonic church that is great gaining traction. And it says, And when they had called the apostles, they beat them, and they charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus. You know, I keep hearing folks say we're not supposed to take Jesus to work. We're not supposed to talk about Jesus in certain places. Let me read this verse for you again, okay? They beat them and they charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus. So until somebody beats you, speak at work, okay? Until somebody beats you, but... Well, I said until then, keep listening. Verse 41, then they left the presence of the council. And I want you to listen to what the next words the writer of Acts wrote down. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. You didn't hear that, did you? Let me read that again. They left the press. This is the apostles. These are men who've been beaten. They're bruised and they're bleeding. Somebody won't speak to us at the water fountain and we're done. Then they left the, pr the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. And verse 42 says, And every day in the temple and from house to house they did not cease teaching and preaching that Jesus is the Christ. <laughs> wow. They got some ambition. <laughs> they not only decided to, they did. They not only decided to, they did. I'm just about done. We got to look at verse 28 in our text today. Because it's verse 28, it's Jesus' redefinition 
of ambition. Here's what Jesus says. Even as the Son of Man came, not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came. He showed up. A selfless act. Jesus left the splendor of glory and put on flesh and blood and came for you and for me. He didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. He gave. He suffered. As a ransom. A ransom was the price to redeem a slave. That was what they called it. That's what the Greek word translate. We, we think of ransom as somebody being held as hostage and you paying the amount to free them from being held in hostage. But in ancient Greek, the, the idea of a ransom was someone who was a slave and most of the slaves were there because they had borrowed money and had become what we might would call an indentured servant. And someone would say, how much do they owe you? A thousand dollars. Here's a thousand dollars. And they're ransomed. They're free. Their price has been paid. He came. He showed up. He served. He gave as a ransom. So as we talk about family ambition and church ambition, human ambition, disciple ambition, what ought we to be doing? I'm pretty sure it's selflessness, it's service, it's suffering and sacrifice. When I think back to the 410 project, maybe the suffering, we didn't really get down. And that's just a blessing of living in a country where we still have some freedom. But that 80 plus people who gave up time to be here were selfless and we served as each has received a gift, let him serve one another as a good steward of God's very grace. It's right here again, isn't it? Selfless service, suffering, and sacrifice. There's a lie that Satan's telling. No hope for Deep River. Folks at Deep River, folks in America, folks in the United States, folks in the world, it's too far. You can't help them. People are the way they are. People are like they are. People think, people have a right to think any way they want to. People, it's, Satan's whispering that in the church's ear. I want to whisper something different in the church's ear. We can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens. We can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens us. If we will receive the ambition of Jesus Christ, if we will take very seriously the call, what it means to be a follower, to be willing to show up, to be selfless, to be willing to serve, to be willing to suffer and sacrifice when it becomes necessary, to be able to count it an honor, to be dishonored for the name of Jesus, we can make a difference. No, that's not true. We can't. But God can through us. God can through us. God wants to. God wants to change Deep River. He wants to change neighbors. He wants to change this neighborhood. He wants to change this culture. How will he do it? When my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. That's how. 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you that, oh, I just sense you wanting to do a great thing. There's somebody here, Lord, that you want to change them so they can face the circumstance that is before them. There's somebody here today that you want to change them to change things at work. There's somebody here today that you want to change them. They're coming and they've made a request of you, oh God. And maybe we didn't even understand the request. But now, Lord, we're seeing through the eyes of your Holy Spirit. And we're recognizing that you want to change us. So, Lord, my prayer is right now, may your Holy Spirit fall on this place and may we be willing to say this day, Lord, here am I. Here am I. Change me. Change me. Change me. Make me and mold me after your will. Oh, Lord, thank you that Jesus came and gave himself as a ransom, a servant. And may I not do anything in this world for a million dollars, but may I be willing to do anything for the name of Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our hymn of decision this morning is page 291. This morning, I don't know what God may be saying to you, but I do believe the Spirit of God is speaking in this place. We're going to sing that hymn beneath the cross of Jesus. We're going to sing that unto the Lord. What would you need to do? What is the Holy Spirit leading, guiding, and directing? The altar's open. Every spot becomes an altar. As God leads, may we as people respond to him as we stand together and sing. You could do us a big favor if you will tidy up your area right in front of you. By the way, we print those bulletins for you to take them home anyway. I'm just saying, okay? They got the prayer list in them for goodness sake. But if you would, the funeral will be here at 3. And if, you will, if we don't leave bulletins or books out of place, that just will help us greatly for that service. And if any of you can go help uh, move some tables right after this, we would be appreciative. I'll get a one call out in just a little bit to let you know who the new deacons are so you can begin to pray for them as God will use them for the next four years.
And now as we leave this place, may we do so in God's peace and in his power and in his abiding presence that we might be his people in the midst of all his people. Would you pray with me? God, for every decision that was made, we give you glory. For every decision that was resisted, we pray for your mercy. And we pray for the second chance. For every decision that continues to be a struggle, we pray for your grace and for your mercy to guide and direct into that future that we might be your people. And God, as we go from this place, give us Jesus' ambition. In Christ's name we pray.